Are you all ready to dive into a new series today? I don't care if you are or not, because we are. We finished a series last week called New, bless you, called New Year's Revolution. And uh, uh, it was an incredible series for me. There are some of those that you teach, and then there are some of those that you live. And that series, New Year's Revolution, was one of those that I literally lived. And it was a life change for me. We ended the series last week by teaching on prayer. For three weeks, we talked about the fact that a revolution is started by passion, a revolution is sustained by purpose, but a revolution is stewarded by prayer. So we ended last week, ended a series on prayer. Today, we're beginning a new series called Have a Heart. And guess what we're beginning our series on? Prayer. See what I did there? You see that? Just link the two together. Prayer. Have a heart for prayer. Look at your neighbor and say, have a heart. We need to pray. We need to pray for an enlarged heart. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying that we all get enlarged hearts. That God enlarges our heart, gives us a passion for the presence of God, gives us a passion for our families, gives us a passion for our city, that our heart beats for the things that God's heart beats for. I love that Hillsong bridge. It goes, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Make my heart reach after the things that God's heart reach after. That's what we're going to be talking about the next several weeks. Have a heart. Last week, we were in Matthew chapter 6, and we took the Lord's Prayer, and we broke it down. Now, don't turn there, because we're actually going to Matthew 21, all right? Matter of fact, we're going to be going to Matthew 21, And then we'll be rolling to Isaiah 56. So if you have a Bible, just put your fingers all in there, okay? Or those straps or paper clips or whatever. Uh, If you have uh, a device, just I don't know what you're going to do. You're in trouble. Just type quickly, all right? We're going to be going to Matthew 21 and then Isaiah 56. But let me backtrack just a moment. Last week, we we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And we, we decided that prayer... Number one, turns our attention to eternity. That's what we talked about last week. The power of prayer is that it gets your attention off of your stuff and moves your attention to the things of God. Prayer reminds us that it is about His kingdom, that it is about His will, that it's about His power and about His glory. Those four pillars of prayer. When Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you pray. You get your attention off of your mess because how many of you pray mostly about your mess? And some of us don't even pray about our mess. We just go through it. And, but man, love that old song. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Some of us don't even pray. And then we wonder why things don't get better. But then some of us pray, but only pray when we need help. And James says, you pray amiss. Your prayers are diseased because you pray amiss. That means you miss the target when you pray. Study that in James. You miss the target because you're praying for your own selfish desires and your own motives. Instead, we need to be focused on his kingdom, his will, his power, his glory. 
Have you ever wondered, how do I pray about this? Have you ever wondered that before? You got a situation coming up, there's a job uh, or a relationship, and you're trying to figure out, how do I pray? It's very simple, and I used this last week. You pray within these four parameters. You pray something just like this. Does it set up his kingdom? So, Lord, here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that you would allow that promotion to go through. Number one, if it sets up your kingdom. Secondly, if it is your will. Thirdly, will it display your power? And fourthly, does it give you glory? That's how you pray about everything. No matter what you do, you pray within those four parameters. And as I said last week, in those parameters, just go crazy. You cannot pray a prayer big enough. Your vision can't be long enough or strong enough. As long as you're in that, God, as long as this sets up your kingdom, as your will, as your power, your glory, then pray away. So last week, prayer turns our attention to eternity. This week, number two, prayer turns our attention to others. Matthew 21, 12, and 13. Y'all ready today? I feel like y'all are already watching the Super Bowl for some reason. Anybody distracted? Just raise your hand. Just be honest. Thank you. See, I like honest people. Anybody distracted? Raise your hand. Okay. Look at your neighbor's head. Come on, I need you all in right now. Let's focus. This is important. You know why it's important? Because we're not a praying generation. Listen to me. It's important because we are not a praying generation. We're an Instagramming, texting, posting generation. We're not a praying generation. That's why this is important. Matter of fact, we may spend the whole series on prayer. You know what? We're not a praying church. We want to be, but we're not yet. We're just not. And so we're going to spend some time talking about prayer. Because if we don't know how to pray, it will not happen. We can have great music and great systems and awesome coffee. But if we do not know how to pray, it will not happen. Can I get an amen? That's where the intercessors should be like, People that love to pray should be like, yeah, that's good. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Everybody knew it, okay? You don't get a cookie for knowing it, all right? Matthew 21 and 12. (laughs) Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all of those who bought and sold in the temple and drove them out. If you read that scripture, there's several several gospels. He used a whip. He took time. He braided a whip, put it together. It was intentional. It was premeditated beating, okay? He drove them out. And then he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold the doves. Now imagine if you invited someone to church and they showed up as a first-time guest and just started moving stuff. Just walked up here and took my iPad and just moved it over here. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay, you're going to play drums today. Just start moving stuff around. And then they just start turning things over. I'm going to just turn this over. Just turning chairs over. Well, we wouldn't like that very much, would we? No, we wouldn't like that. Jesus shows up in the temple and just goes berserk. Like a wild man. And then he says this. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. 
but you have made it a den of thieves. What he's saying is, you guys have gotten off track. You've gotten off focus. You've made it about you and yours. And it's supposed to be about me and mine. Your focus is not right. Prayer will turn your attention to eternity, but prayer will also turn your attention to others. Now, when he's quoting, remember he said it is written, he's quoting Isaiah 56 and Jeremiah 7. If you're taking notes, write that down. Those two passages that he's quoting, Isaiah 56, Jeremiah 7. Today, I want to focus on Isaiah 56. How many did your homework? Raise your hand. How many forgot about it until this morning when I tweeted and Instagrammed it? Okay, good. <laughs> Last week I said, here's some homework for you, Isaiah 56. Get ready. We're going to roll into it. Now look, let me say something quickly. If you're not following the Hills on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you really need to. We are the Hills Enville at all of those. The Hills Enville. And dive on there because weather's getting crazy There's going to be some Sundays that you're not going to know is church happening or not. That's how you're going to know. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then email. If you're on our email list, that's just a little plug, all right? How many are not connected to us that way? Raise your hand, all right? Get connected. When you get home, somehow get on there, all right? Because I'll help you with little Instagram hints like that. Because all the rest of y'all are getting a zero today. (laughs) Getting a zero. I'm sorry. You can make it up, but you got a zero today. (laughs) Isaiah 56, verse 3. Hey, thank you all for letting me pastor a church that I can have fun with. I'm so thankful for a church that we don't have to crank it up like a circus animal, you know? We can just be who we are. I love you guys, most of you. (laughs) Is he joking? Isaiah 56 and 3. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to God say, the Lord will never let me be a part of his people. And don't let the eunuchs say, I'm I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says, I bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and for who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. A eunuch was someone that could not have children. Some of them, something that happened to them, an accident. Some of them, it was done to them by a slave owner. Some of them made a choice to do so. But they were not able to have children. And so because of this, they felt like that they weren't productive and they would never amount to anything. And God says to them, if they get into my house, within the walls of my house, do you get that? Within the walls of my house. That's why it's important to be connected to a local church. I will give them a memorial and a name that is far greater than sons and daughters. But the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. Everybody say eunuchs. Then he says, I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest and hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them into my holy mountain of Jerusalem. I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifice. Here we go. Because my temple 
will be called a house of prayer for all nations. One translation says, my temple, my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. So when Jesus walks into the temple, he does not even recognize his own house. He walks in and things are going on. He doesn't even recognize it, can't even wrap his brain around it because here's what's happening. Listen to me, this is important. Here's what's happening. They are buying and selling. So let's say that you show up, you have no sacrifice, you're not getting in. But we just happen to have a handy-dandy turtle dove right here for you. We will sell you one. And it became a business. And there were many times that they would sell them something and then they would take it around the back and bring it back in and resell it again. Wouldn't even sacrifice it. It was, it was, they were cheaters, they were liars, they were thieves. I'm sure not all of them, but Jesus walks into this mess and he says, this is not how this is supposed to be. They were requiring people to pay before they could pray. So in other words, if you don't have money, you can't offer sacrifice. If you, if you're not, if you don't have a something on you, then you're just not going to, it's not going to happen for you. If you're a Gentile, If you're not a Jew, you are not welcome to offer your sacrifices here. Do you know how intense the Jews were about that? They were so intense. There's a scripture that says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness for a sin. Anybody ever read that? How many thought that was talking about ushers? It wasn't. The doorkeeper was the guy who checked to see if you were a Jew or a Gentile man. Hmm. There's only one way to check that. If your neighbor doesn't know, just whisper to them right now. So we have some openings for ushers here at the hills. Listen. Listen, that's how intense that was. Oh, you're not, you're not a Jew. You're not welcome here. You got to go. And so Jesus walks in and it's nothing like he intended it to be. And so he goes berserk. Jesus did not go crazy. I feel weird saying Jesus went crazy. Maybe I'll re- rewind that. Jesus didn't do what he did because they were selling stuff. He did what he did because they were excluding people. They were telling people they weren't good enough. Let me say something to you. The hills can never become exclusive. God forgive us if we become exclusive. God forgive us if people show up and they don't feel like that they can find a place. That they don't look right or act right or talk right or dress right or have the right skin. God forgive us. I'm telling you right now, we will shut the whole mess down. I will go sell shoes. I'm serious as I can be. I will go drive a truck. I'll do it. I'll build houses. I'll be a plumber. I'll let Kristen go work as a pharmacist, okay? Whatever. For those of you who don't know, Kristen's a doctor of pharmacy. She could go do that. It's not like I would just say, go sell drugs on the corner, okay? I saw what you were thinking there. 
Never. We can never become exclusive. This is what we all hate. The spirit of religion. How many have battled with that before? That tells us you're not good enough. You're not, you're not rich enough. You're the wrong color. You don't have the right pedigree. You don't have the right background. I talked to a guy the other day that he said, when I first showed up at the hills, I didn't know if I'd have a place or not because I didn't look like y'all or talk like y'all or dress. God, forgive us. We can't have that. We've got to be a people that are so inclusive instead of exclusive because everybody's already used to being excluded. We're just used to rejection. Can I hear an amen? amen? We're just used to it. What if we could change the dynamic and be one of those places that we were so inclusive it almost got awkward? Come on. We talk a lot about here about getting rid of circles and creating horseshoes. You know what I'm talking about. You're out in the atrium and there's seven of you standing around talking and that new person is kind of hanging around. Just trying to get in. Come on, break that thing open. Turn it into a horseshoe. Come on in. Just bring somebody in. We'll be talking the next several weeks about learning how to include, learning how to involve, and learning how to invite. Everybody say include, involve, invite. Don't have time today. I've got to dive into Isaiah 6. First of all, foreigners. Foreigners. This is people that don't know our custom. They don't speak Christianese. They don't speak Bible Belt. They don't know church. They don't get the hills language. Because we do have customs about us. We have ways, ways are how we do what we do. There's, a, there's customs that we have. There's a language. There's a, there's a great video. I don't even know how to tell you how to get there. There's this funny video that's just these two guys talking Christian talk. And I just lay on the floor crying and laughing at the same time. Because it is so true, the stuff that we say. I'm just walking in favor, brother. Just walking in favor. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Well, pastor really brought it today. Didn't he bring it? Oh, dang it. Darn it. Shucks. Just the stuff that we say. And people, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And they show up and we're saying all these words and loving, giving and living and people, I don't know who you are. We got to make sure that people have these clear avenues and next steps to step in. We got to take the road bump, the speed bumps away. I don't know about y'all, but I hate speed bumps. I'm telling you, if there's one thing I could do away with, it'd be speed bumps. Because I just drive faster over them. You get a little air. We got to take the speed bumps away. We got to move the anything out. We got to give people a clear, a clear way. These foreigners that show up to us and they don't know our customs. I was thinking about Helen today. That Dwayne and Melissa will spend several weeks with her, teaching her the customs of America. She doesn't know. She doesn't know how we do what we do. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know our customs. We're going to have people walk in those doors. There are people in here today that do not know how we do what we do. We've got to make sure that we're involving them and not excluding them. It can't be that mindset, well, if you really want it, you'll get it. Well, they left. They left. Why? They didn't really want it. 
Maybe they just didn't understand the language. Ever thought about that? Folks that don't know our culture. Listen, we talk a lot about the Hills culture. I'm kind of tired of that. We don't want to create a Hills culture. We want to create... That would be that language I was talking about a moment ago. I didn't hear him. I must be a foreigner. One time my cousin was going to sing Silent Night for my grandma. What we didn't know is he was going to sing it in German. So he breaks into the first chorus in German. And my uncle turns to me and goes, hey. And he sings Germany, German, and then he goes into English. And my uncle goes, man, I must speak German. I understood everything he was saying. You get that? You get so that was that part, okay? Listen, we've got, we've got to make sure that we're not creating a hills culture. We're creating a kingdom culture. A kingdom culture. What kind of culture does Jesus want us to have? Not does what John and Kristen want us to have. Not was our leadership want us. It's got to be a kingdom culture. And a kingdom culture is all-inclusive. I lost some of you. Stay with me right here. Man, y'all got worse ADD than I do. Come on, right here. Listen, we've got to create a kingdom culture. Do you know what the scripture says when we get to heaven? It says around the throne was every tribe and every tongue all gathered around. Can you imagine what that's going to be like when there are billions of people all singing in their native tongue the way they look, the way they act? See, that ain't diversity. That's kingdom. I'm tired of diversity. Let's build kingdom. That should have been a resounding amen, just like, whoa, clapping. Just even the Presbyterian should have said amen on that one. Good Lord. Kingdom, where the Pentecostals and Presbyterians are sitting by each other and Catholics and Charismatics are sitting by each other. That's kingdom. The thing about a foreigner is they don't fit in. And this is unbelievers. We have people that show up at the hills and they, they don't even understand because they're still not even, a, they're not even a believer. Then there are folks that are new believers. They're still trying to figure this thing out. And then there are folks that are just from di- different religious backgrounds. I love the fact that our church is just peppered with people from all types of different backgrounds. We've got to make sure that we are not excluding people with whom we have nothing in common. If I hear one more time, well, I don't do kids. I don't like kids. I don't work with kids. Come on now, what? You can give goldfish out. See what I mean? What you've done is you've excluded someone. And that'll change once you have kids. Suddenly when the kids become important is when you have kids. We got to work on the kids ministry. Why? Well, I have kids. What if you did it now? I love it when we'll have folks that could care less about our student ministry until their kid turns 12. We got to do something with the students. Now, quickly. They're driving me crazy. It's easy for us to exclude a demographic that we don't get. Or they got gray hair. Senior citizens, I don't, I don't understand. 
See, we got to make sure that we're breaking those walls down, that we are not known as that cool, young church. We've got to make sure that we have, we're doing everything we can to let everybody come in, no matter what your race is, your religion is. No matter what your social or economic state or background is. Matter of fact, James says this. He said, you better not treat the rich better than the poor. Right? I'll say you better not treat the poor better than the rich either. Wow. Nor the religious better than the non-religious. Are the non-religious better than the religious? I got a problem. I'll tell you right now. I will. I would rather hang around non-religious people than I would religious people. And I got to pray about that. There have been people that have shown up and they got that kind of religious thing on them, and I just was. I don't want to deal with you right now. And the Lord says, "Wait a minute. Did I call you just to pastor this crew?" We have people that joke and go, man, if that person does that, then I'm not even going to come to church. God, man, let's can't, we can't have that. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, this is good today. Yeah. It ain't easy, but it's good. <laughs> you have to say it that loud. <laughs> Foreigners. Isaiah 56 speaks of two exclusion. Foreigners and eunuchs. A eunuch is someone that just doesn't feel productive. What do I have to give? A eunuch was someone that had been in some type of accident, injured, and so they couldn't have children, just couldn't produce. Someone that something happened to them. Someone took advantage of them. A slave owner took away their ability to produce children. Or someone that just made a mistake. I want to be a eunuch. Oh, no. <laughs> Why did I do that? <laughs> We're looking, there are people in this room today that have those same feelings. You've been abused. You've been taken advantage of. And because of that, you do not feel productive. I'm going to say to you, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Someone that's old, just too old. I'm just, I'm, I'm done. And that doesn't have to be gray hair. Some of you have, have, have worked well beyond your years, have lived more life than, than an 80-year-old would live. You've had things happen to you that, that a 30-year-old should not have to face. And so because of that, it's easy for you to say, I just don't feel productive. We can never be a church. We can never be a family that makes it about what we do. You hear me? It can't be. You don't have to be productive to be here. But I really believe if you'll be here and hang out, you're going to start producing fruit. They that are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our God. Mel, would you come play? Where are you, Mel? Thank you. Just something soft and emotional. That's when you know I don't feel like I did a good enough job, so I need you to work on them for me, okay? (laughs) Didn't quite bring it. Could you help me bring it home? (laughs) Prayer turns our attention to others. 
If the hills ever becomes about the hills, we've messed up. Listen to me. If your life becomes about you, you've messed up. If your family becomes about you, your family, you've messed up. If your career becomes about your career, you've messed up. Prayer changes that. God, bless me, bless me. Why do you want to be blessed? So I can be a blessing to others. It changes your mind. It turns your focus on eternity and it turns your focus on others. Man, we need to do more in the community. Okay, let's pray. And I'm t- I promise you, as we begin to pray, he's going to shift our mindset. The greatest testimony that I have received since we've been at the hills was last week. Walked in, gentleman sitting over in the corner. John, come here. Walked over to him. And he said, you know me, right? I said, I know you. And he said, you know, I've been visiting the hills for a while. And um, he said, I've been to a lot of churches. And he said, but I've never been to a church like this one. And my ears perked up. And he said, you know, I live on the hill. I'm homeless. I don't have a house. I live up here. And he said, this is the first church I've ever been to that I didn't feel homeless. Y'all can take it all. I retire right now. We live in a city of homeless. And I'm not talking about just homeless. I'm not people that don't feel like they have a family. Don't feel like they may have a house, they may have three cars, but they have an orphan thing on them. They don't feel like they have a family. There are people that are millionaires and billionaires that don't feel like they have family. God is asking us to be a house of prayer that is open for everybody. We don't we don't select who we're going to minister to or give to or serve to. We're open for everybody. And if teachers get sick and they need help back there, let's go. I'll wipe babies, baby, baby's bottoms or whatever. I'll grab a pail and be an usher. I'll pour coffee. I'll go serve. What, what do we need to do? See, that's the mindset that has to change for us to really do what God is calling us to do. Any, any other selfish people here besides me? Just raise your hand. How many woke up this morning thinking about you? Come on. Prayer changes that. Prayer, get your focus on eternity and get your focus on others.